1: all right guys you are locked on falcons i'm your host aaron freeman and i am joined today for a fan talk episode with aaron williams we're going to be talking about the 2017 falcons season so far and maybe we might even answer a couple of uh, listener questions as well you are locked on falcons your daily podcast on the atlanta falcons part of the locked on podcast network your team every day All right, Aaron, welcome to the show, man. Um, I appreciate you doing this. We're recording this on Saturday. For people that don't know, this is a weekend fan talk, so I can't call it a fan Friday. But I appreciate Aaron for being flexible and sort of handling things with my schedule being a little bit up in the air. Yeah, I
0: mean, all the appreciation goes to you. It's an honor to be talking to you live.
1: Well, Aaron, let's let's talk about this uh, Falcon season, right? We've got four games down. It's the bye week. Um, how have you liked or maybe even disliked the Falcons season so far?
0: Well, you know, uh, I'm pretty satisfied with where we're at. Uh, I would say we get a lot of negative publicity for our close games. We get a lot of overrated talk, I hear. So, I mean, for the most part, I think we've played really well. I think we've controlled the games, and it just happens at the end of two of them you know, we had some close outcomes.
1: Okay. So you're in a good place. Falcons three and one feels about where you thought they would be, uh, at least, uh, going into the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously we get the people that are telling us we could easily be one and three, maybe even and four. I don't know. Not everybody thought we played well against green Bay, but Honestly, I I thought we really outplayed the Bears. We just we made some mistakes at the end. We didn't capitalize in the red zone. Kind of the same same story we've had for a year now. So I feel pretty good about all three performances up till Sunday.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. I I can't really disagree with you. If it would feel like nitpicking if I was going to poke holes in that. So uh, which is something I've been accused of doing a little bit too much. So I'll 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 keep I'll I'll refrain from doing that today. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean I know you're not a big stat guy, but yeah, you know, we definitely we outgained the Bears by I believe a hundred yards. We we outgained the Lions by a hundred yards, you know. And just turnovers and offensive line penalties and stuff like that just kept them in the game. So what can you do?
1: Yeah, that's true. All true statements. Um let's talk about whether or not the Falcons, you know, are poised looking forward. If if you know, this first quarter of the season uh, three and one. Do you feel like the Falcons with their next four games coming up against uh, New England or Miami, New England, the Jets in uh, Carolina? If I'm not mistaken, uh, they can be poised to repeat that three and one sort of mark.
0: Uh, I I do believe we have a great shot. I I feel I'm a little nervous about the next game because I honestly thought we could be four and zero at this point. So I think the next game is pretty much going to tell you whether that Super Bowl hangover narrative comes back and where we're really at as a team how we how we bounce back from this next one but I mean it is a home game against a very beatable team so I have pretty high hopes for the next game and then New England you know we'll just see where they're at when we get there
1: yeah I mean I think you got to take it one week at a time you know the the challenge I guess against Miami is going to be you know I think if you're going to if you're going to make an argument for the first quarter of the season, and this is where I'll get a little bit nitpicky and I'll see if you agree with me on this Aaron. But um, I would say, you know, week one, I thought the bears, you know, I would disagree with a little bit. I think the Bears kind of controlled that game for most of it. But I think the Falcons did more than enough that they could to win the game. But I think that was really sort of the game that the Bears wanted it to be as opposed to the game that the Falcons wanted it to be. I would say the same would be the case with the Buffalo Bills game. And if I'm looking for commonalities in those two games, I would say those were two of the better fronts we faced. (laughs) Um, so far, this season, as well as those were two of the games where our offense um, not only due to the quality of the competition but from a sort of schematic game plan standpoint tended to be to, tended to be a little bit more conservative and so i 'm a little concerned going into this Miami game, considering that I think as far as their fronts go, this is probably you know it, Cameron and Wake and Dominican Sue alone, I think, automatically make you a, a pretty formidable front, especially given some of the issues we've had on the right side of our offensive line, and, and that's the side of the line of scrimmage that they typically line up against. And so that's a little bit of a concern to me in wondering maybe um, if the Falcons can sort of go up against a, a, a defensive line as, as capable of this and, and if the offense can sort of learn from um, whatever issues that have been slowing them down in the first four games of the season and sort of fix that, I think that'll give me a lot more confidence moving forward that this team is prepared to address some of the the weaknesses that we've seen so far through this uh, short season. A handful of weaknesses, but a, a few nonetheless.
0: No, I, I absolutely agree with everything you said there. Um, I know as far as the Bears game, I know a lot of people don't like to hear stuff like this. I know you're not an excuse guy, but I really do believe that that You know, the conditions of that field, maybe the Bears are wetting it down a little or, you know, something that that's not an ideal surface for the Falcons to play on. So I was a little more concerned with the way they played against the Bills being indoors, you know, fast track. That should really there's no excuse for getting beat by Charles Clay. And just in general, we just did not look like a good team this weekend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair statement. That's fair. Um yeah so i I think it would be interesting to see what what happens moving forward i I still have confidence with the Falcons. I just feel like um, you know these next couple of games i don't think necessarily will challenge us in huge huge ways or at least I hope not but I do think that those last seven or eight games I think could be a lot more uh, a lot more interesting given sort of the the amount of division games and some of the teams in the nfc at least between dallas and, and seattle even though i know they don't look quite up to par at this point in time in the season but uh two teams that i thought at least going into the season would cr- create some tough matchups for the falcons um given their ability to potentially control the line of scrimmage so uh we'll, we'll see what happens and i think you know if the falcons can come out of these next couple of games looking a lot more consistent on offense and, and playing a lot better in the trenches i think uh, a lot of those issues can be somewhat mitigated.
0: Yeah. And I think it all just depends on, you know, riding Schrader coming back and Vic Beasley coming back and those are guys we need on the field.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, hopefully Schrader will come back this week and we'll see about Beasley. I, I've been, you know, I, I've been known to be a little pessimistic, but uh, when we haven't heard a single sort of time frame of when he'll, he'll return, that sort of tends to worry me a little bit, but You know, the fact that he was jogging or running or whatever he was doing uh, a week or so ago, I I guess, may mean that, uh, you know, it's the lower, the the minimum time he might miss, which is four weeks, I guess, as opposed to the sort of six weeks that in my head I've been sort of envisioning. But we'll see what happens.
0: And on a side note, uh, how is it that they do practice during the bye weeks? Because I find it a little curious that we haven't heard of roster moves and, you know, basically injury updates and stuff like that. So.
1: Yeah, I was look. I was actually trying to do some research earlier today and yesterday to try to figure out what their sort of practice schedule is. And I didn't, I didn't see anything official announcements about what their practice schedule. Maybe I just overlooked them this week, but it sounded like they just gave the guys the weekend off. From the lack of news, okay. that that's the only assumption I could make. But maybe I just missed something, because I, I also thought you know we would get a roster move to replace Jack Crawford by now to get somebody. In, if they if they were practicing um, these last couple of days and having somebody in there to get those extra couple of days of practice, I think it would make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And just seeing who they picked up would kind of tell you what they think of different spots on their roster. That maybe, you know, depending on what that guy plays, kind of tells us what they're doing.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, we could we could see some. Uh, Maybe next early next week, Monday or Tuesday or something, we might see something more significant. You know, they're doing the self scouting stuff, so maybe they they come across something there. Like this is an area of the roster that we need a little bit more help than we are getting right now, and so maybe they'll make a move. So we'll see what happens. Definitely. Now, um, Aaron, you said you 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 talked a little bit about the Bills game, but you were there firsthand, and I remember getting a question earlier this week about people talking about sort of the empty seats and whatnot, and so sort of from your own perspective, um, you know, what's the atmosphere like being um, in the uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium so far this season? Um, and um, what is your take on sort of maybe some of those times when the camera pans up to the crowd and we see a bunch of empty seats in the stadium, and what's the cause of that?
0: So I did hear that question, and I'm going to be honest with you. After the Bills game, I took a little hiatus from Falcons podcasts and websites and was a little disappointed, you know, traveled a long way to watch a game. (laughs) But uh, so one of the interesting things about the stadium with that new windowed area and that new open end of the field, they were selling those standing room only tickets. And I noticed there was probably, if I had to guess, 2000 people standing in the open concourse area watching the game at any given time. So. I'd say by the third or fourth quarter, the stadium was probably 80% full in the seats. And there was probably two or 3,000 people standing on the catwalk, standing on the concourse, you know, watching from above the different sections. So I don't know that it was as empty as, it, as people think it was, but there was definitely a lot of Bills fans, and that was a little disconcerting.
1: Okay. Um, you know, The person asked the question of whether the stadium might be too cool. And some of the amenities that they have are are causing people to spend a little bit of time exploring the stadium as opposed to necessarily being in their seats and and making noise and and doing all the things that you expect in terms of the home field crowd and whatnot. What's your take on that? And and sort of, did you get an opportunity to get up and explore and do some things like that?
0: Uh, Well, so there's quite a bit of stuff to see around the stadium, but I wouldn't say that it's anything that I mean, maybe you walk through it. There's the 100-yard club, which is pretty awesome. Uh, other than that, it's there's really not a lot of excuse to be sitting in your seat at that stadium because you don't have to wait in line for a beer. You really, The bathroom lines are much better than they were at the old stadium. Pretty much everything you can imagine has been upgraded by a thousand times. Okay. All right. Well, um, well I guess it'll be something... Like I did tell you before the as i did tell you before the uh before the podcast you know i had an opportunity to take the stadium tour you know walk around the different areas see the different club levels and you know kind of see how the rich people do things and got to go down on the field and play catch so it's a pretty unique stadium but i think a lot of people it seemed like arrived an hour or two early and they got that kind of out of their system before the game
1: okay Alright guys, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, my friends, there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and by far it's the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats. There's a Pitt Duke game coming up. I'm going to get those tickets right now. You can just go on the SeatGeek on the app right now, and you can find me out rooting at the Pitt Duke game here in Durham, North Carolina, where I happen to live in the coming weeks this month. So, And the reason why I can do that is because SeatGeek is designed to make my ticket buying experience easier than ever because it saves me time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for my buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help me identify the best seats that fit my budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so I can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I'm going to make SeatGeek my go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app enter promo code LONFL today. That's promo code LONFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase.
0: Uh, Yeah, one of the things being at the game was I noticed – some of the things people were saying about Matt Ryan, maybe having some happy feet. I was curious what you thought of that. Because when I was there watching live, I, I'm almost starting to agree with that sentiment. And I kind of started rewatching some of the past games this year, and he just really does not seem like he's comfortable in the pocket right now.
1: Now I'm I'm curious. Do you think that you know some people have opined that it's it's owed to the absence of a guy like Schrader and having guys like Sam Brelo, And even though Schweitzer seems to be improving as the season wears on, um, not necessarily being probably as trusted an option there in front of him. And so, do you feel like that's a, a possible cause to that? Because I I would say uh, to to answer your question, I do sort of think he has. Shown a little bit of a tendency to um, have a little bit of happy feet in the pocket on a couple of cups. It's not, it's not overwhelming, but there's been a couple of plays where I'm like, hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's been on some really key plays. Like uh, I don't remember when Schrader got injured specifically, but even the uh, touchdown in week one to Austin Hooper, I mean, Matt Ryan almost sacked himself just out of sheer panic for, I mean, he was rushed, but it wasn't quite the level of rush that, you know, Matt Ryan usually stands in the face of that and makes a good throw, but he just seemed like he was a little off that day and like he was ready to escape the pocket and almost knocked himself over. And then there was another play this weekend when I was at, at the game here, uh, Julio, I mean, almost everyone on the field was pointing at Julio. He had single coverage on a linebacker and I believe it was, uh, second or third down in the red zone when they kicked the field goal. And Julio went right down the middle of the field, almost untouched. But I think everybody there saw it except Matt Ryan. It just seemed like he was—he took his first read, took his second read, and threw the ball to Sanu short instantly. It just did not seem like he was willing to stand in the pocket and give reads time to develop, is, I guess is what I would say. My amateur opinion, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Um, it does seem like that. It did seem like that, particularly against Buffalo and and just to – Let you know, Schrader got hurt on the opening drive of the Packers game. So, but yeah, I think that Schrader, that Hooper touchdown, as you said, was an an instance of, I think that was a good instance of Matt Ryan sort of stepping up in the pocket and looking like he was about to go down, but then sort of staying with it. Um, But uh, yeah, I I do think he's been a little bit, uh, his clock, I think, maybe on a couple of these plays, these critical plays have been a little bit sped up due to uh, the pressure he's been facing so far this year, which isn't an overwhelming amount. I think we're about middle of the pack, um, based off of some pressure stats I've seen. But, um, you know, it it does seem like he's been hit quite a bit. He got hit 10 times, I think, in that Bears game. So that's that's a pretty high amount of hits to take in a game. So... Um, he took a lot of hits last year, too, about 120, if I'm not mistaken, over the course, if you factor in the playoffs as well, which is like the most he's ever been hit in his NFL career, which I know to a lot of people is a surprise hearing that. But it it is one of those things where it's like he's taken a lot more punishment behind this uh, offensive line than I think people often concede. And uh, maybe he's just not uh, as willing to sort of hang in there and and, and get wrecked um, this year, quite to the same level that he was last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. And, and one of the things I think you'll probably agree, it's not a coincidence. Matt Ryan had a career year when Alex Mack was picked up. So it more surprises me when the pressure that is affecting him comes from the outside. You know, in 2015, we had Mike Person playing center. So everybody knew he didn't have a lot of time and pressure up the middle is definitely the way to beat Matt Ryan. But it surprises me more when it's the outside pressure because usually he's a confident guy that just kind of steps up and, you know, makes his reads and gets the ball where it needs to go. So that's more where I was coming from on that one.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Aaron, do you have any other thoughts? I've got a couple of uh, listener questions that we could answer, but if you have anything else you want to say, I'll, I'll give you the floor.
0: No, no, I would, I would love to do the listener questions with you. All right,
1: man. Uh, We got one from Tracy Edwards. He asked, do you think it was a mistake to not bring back Jacob Tammy or another veteran tight end? Do you feel like this is the reason tight ends have not been featured as much in the offense?
0: So I'm going to stroke your ego a little here on this one because I think the real mistake was Patrick DeMarco, and I think that's really where you see the offense (laughs) struggling. Because, I mean, Tammy was a good player. He's a good possession receiver, but I I think Hooper does his job. I think to a lesser extent, you can use Toilolo in that role as an H-back, whatever, you know, short passes. I don't think Tammy did anything spectacular that we're missing. But I really think uh, DeMarco, when you watch Coleman leak out of the backfield and catch passes, you really miss him.
1: I appreciate that, Aaron. Um, I agree with you. I I think the thing that lost in in Tammy or lost in in adding a veteran tight end is sort of the loss of the 13 personnel the three tight end sets that we used quite a bit early the last season to, to great effect and then once Tammy got injured and we were forced to have to play with Josh Perkins in that role we didn't use them quite nearly to the same degree that we did early in the season they started to pick up a little bit towards the, the in the postseason than versus the regular season when, when Perkins was there but um, I think with the replacement of of Tammy with Perkins and or uh Eric Saubert. Um they've really sort of removed that element from their offense from by and large. I think they've only ran three tight end sets maybe three or four times this year in, in through the first four games. Um and it really hasn't been a, a major part of the offense and and we'll see if if sort of as the year progresses, Saubert's development means that they'll be a little bit more trustworthy of him. Um, to do that, but I, I do think if you're going to say we lost anything, I think it was more in terms of the depth at the position, not necessarily the starting position. I I agree with you. I think Tammy was a solid veteran, but I don't necessarily look at Tammy's contributions versus what uh, a player like Austin Hooper potentially can do, and, and feel like that's a, a major drop off. You know, Tammy might be in a, a little bit more consistent. At being you know an outlet receiver for Matt Ryan than Hooper is who who seems to be you know they either get him the ball quite a bit or he seems to disappear for a quarter or so but um, I don't know if Tammy would necessarily change that to a huge degree but yeah I'm with you on the fullback situation I do think having that fullback um, I think would do wonders for our offense particularly given how effective we have been this season and we're certainly last year with the play action passing. And I think being able to sell that play action, that run game threats with the fullback on the field and still having the flexibility to, to use DeMarco or the fullback, uh, Derek Coleman in this case as a receiving option, I think adds a whole lot of, you know, a different element to the offense. that I don't know if we quite have to the same degree this season as we did a year ago.
0: Yeah. And and in fairness to that question, I will say, uh, there's a little more threat of Jacob Tammy. Like I know they like to use him in the H back spot a lot and they do that with Toy Lolo now. And there's a little more threat of Tammy leaking out and making a play than there is when you watch Toy Lolo lumber wherever he's going on a particular play. But as far as the uh the other tight ends, I was kinda of surprised that Sauber didn't see more action. So that really tells you where we were at receiver this weekend, how far off Saubert might be as a player.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a fair statement right there. Um, We got another question from Keith Guillory. He asks, uh, Freeman, I emailed you a few weeks back, but I'm not sure you still do email. I do, Keith. Um, I was saying that Beasley looked like he came into the season smaller, underweight. The following week, he was injured. When you saw Beasley, did he look smaller? I know he had a hard time keeping on weight at Clemson. Is this an issue right now? even on the play where he was injured he got overpowered last season he looked more beefy um you have any thoughts on on Vic Beasley's bulk or lack thereof Aaron
0: um i think we can both agree Vic Beasley is undersized and he is probably always going to be undersized which is what made the attack uh, McKinley pick so exciting because he's just a different player you know he's got a little more size a little more ability to to play the run I really like I don't think Beasley will ever be a three down player for us. I think he'll always be a a speed rusher, nickel package type of guy that maybe maybe once in a while he can play strong side linebacker, but I just think that's who he is as a player. And as long as he's putting up fifteen and a half sacks, you can't really argue with that.
1: Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting to sort of see what Vic looks like coming back. As far as the size and the weight, yeah, I do think he was um i don't know if he's undersized at least relative to where he's been um he looks about the same to me i remember i don't know if it was keith or somebody else but i thought i got a question a couple of weeks ago about someone thinking that vic beasley had put on a, a bunch of weight this offseason and i was like i think people sort of look at vic beasley in sort of his upper body bulk um and, and say oh he looks he looks bigger and it's like not really like the area I thought where Beasley really needed to get bigger and, and bulkier was in his lower body and, and, sort of that would help him with sort of the, the power element of his uh, game and, and sort of having that uh, bigger, stronger base that he can play with um, to, cause you know, a lot of the being a good bull rusher isn't necessarily having the upper body strength, but it's the lower body strength to sort of lock your arms and then drive with your lower body uh, to work that offensive line back into the backfield. And so, you know, I think with Beasley, yeah, I, I agree with you, Aaron. I think he's always going to be in that 240, 245 range max. I don't really see him getting much bigger than that. Uh, I agree with you. I think while he could make a very effective off-ball linebacker playing that strong side linebacker role, uh, and the fact that we've got Campbell there and he's been playing particularly well, uh, this season sort of mitigates that somewhat to a degree. Um And so I think with Beasley, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how he comes back this season if he just, you know, whatever this torn hamstring injury does, um, does it affect his game in any way? Does it make his, you know, the lower body strength a little bit lesser because he's not able to sort of push, you know, um, his lower body to the degree that he could have if he was fully healthy? And so what does that mean? How does that affect his his production and, and whatnot? And so, you know, if he misses, you know, a quarter of the season or up to a half of the season due to this hamstring injury, because hamstring injuries are known to linger a little bit longer and take a little bit of time to heal, um, will he have the sort of production in the back half of the season that people, you know, what you said with, you know, as long as he gets fifteen and a half sacks, it's not a problem. But you know, what if that happens to be? You know, for whatever reason, five and a half sacks or something like that is—is that going to be something where people are going to start, you know, throwing around the bus talk or or whatever? You know how people have a tendency to overreact, Aaron. But (laughs) um, you know, it's—it'll be interesting to sort of see how Beasley sort of finishes his season and sort of what the, you know, what sort of criticisms, if if any, people throw his way, um, you know, after the year and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I I do know how people overreact because I'm one of those people. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, with Beasley, you know, I'll I'll be the first one to go on a forum somewhere or Twitter or something and defend his 15 and a half sacks. But I think realistically, we know if he's an eight or 10 sack guy, that's probably his potential right now. That's probably the best you can hope for on a consistent basis because he got a lot of easy sacks and we, we all agree on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, beating beating bad right tackles is you know, there's no shame in that. It's just you would like to see you, you, I guess for me the hope was we would see him sort of progress to being a guy that could beat good right tackles. And I think we saw that to a certain degree um early in the season given how much limited workload he got. Um you know, I know Bobby Massey and and whoever the Packers Right tackle was in that game. Aren't necessarily world world beaters for, by any means, but um, it'll be interesting to sort of see how busy you know, production wise, um, is the rest of the season and seeing what he does um, the rest of the year. But I, I think a lot of that sort of is mitigated if Brooks Reed continues to play like the the superstar that he is. Um, if Tack continues to show progression, if Adrian, if we can get you know sixteen games out of Adrian Claiborne, I, I think a lot of those issues even if Beasley doesn't, you know, pick up where he left off by getting 12 sacks or whatever the number is, um, you know, I think we can sort of navigate that to a certain degree and then the expectation is going to be Tax, going to be even better next year than, you know, whether Clayborne and Brooks Reed are back, then, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but um, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes for this Falcons pass rush. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I might have been on the uh, cut Brooks Reed bandwagon at some point this offseason, but where would we be this season
1: without him? <laughs> well, yeah, two and two, definitely, maybe even worse off than that. So, um, you know that that'll be something to 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 keep in mind moving forward. Uh, you weren't alone but on yeah. that Brooks Reed cut Brooks Reed bandwagon. I think a lot of people were, especially once the the rumors started back in what May or June when people were talking about bringing Dwight Freeney back, and people couldn't. Fathom a reality where the Falcons would prefer to have a guy like Brooks Reed on the roster versus a guy like Dwight free, But it, so far this season, it seems like that seems to have paid off in their favor.
0: Yeah. And I mean, frankly, back to the Beasley con or, uh, conversation there, I was really hoping we'd get someone like Nick Perry, you know, someone that, and we eventually drafted tack, but you know, someone bigger, that more stout that would, uh, I don't know, would compliment him better. So
1: yeah, I think Tack is that guy. So, yeah, I, I feel like they checked that box uh, a little bit. But, yeah,
0: you got to keep it in perspective where we've come in the past, Rush, over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and, and I, still I.
0: Moving forward.
1: I, I think I think that's a good point there, Aaron. Um, it's one of those things where I think it's going to be continue to be a work in progress. It's never going to be something that you're just going to be like, oh, well, we don't have to invest in this position anymore because we already. We already drafted Tack. We already drafted Vic. We already, you know, signed these guys, and we don't have to worry about this defensive end spot for for many, many years to come. I think you're always going to be looking to supplement it because I do think part of the reason, you know, you look at a team like Seattle in in, you know, they they picked up Cliff Bennett. I mean, Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett in 2013. Uh, I'm trying to think. They drafted Bruce Irvin in 2012. I think they got Frank Clark in 2015. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's another. You know, edge rusher that I'm missing, but not to mention all the interior pieces they've added, like Jerron Reed and Sheldon Richardson, um, among others, Atiba Rubin. Um, So it's one of those things where I don't think the Falcons are going to stop investing in this pass rush, and if they do, then that's going to be, I think, a a much bigger issue. Uh, You know, I'll shake my fist in the air at Dimitrov. I'll blame him for that, because I I don't feel like Dan Quinn's ever going to not as a former defensive line coach, I, I feel like he'll he'll always want to get, you know, quality defensive linemen in here, um, if not every year, then at least every other year to by making some sort of, uh, maybe not a slam dunk, but a, a certain splash in the offseason to upgrade that position group.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's not a lot of uh, Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill's in the world, you know, guys that are 270, 280, that... I know Cliff Averill's a little smaller than that, but, you know, guys that big that can rush the passer effectively. So we have Vic. A lot of people would be happy to have Vic, and I think we just got to work with what we got.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, all right, Aaron, I appreciate you coming on and talking with me about these things, answering some of these questions, getting your your thoughts on uh, the stadium, the season so far, what's ahead, Vic Beasley, Brooks Reed, Jacob Tammy, all that sort of stuff. So um, I appreciate that. Um, do you think you're going to be making it to any other home games uh, the rest of the season?
0: Um, I'm looking around the uh, Christmas time, get a little paid time off that time of year. So it's like a free vacation. But I, I think they play the Saints in New Orleans on Christmas Eve. Looked at that game. But yeah, I definitely, if they go to the playoffs, I will I will be there.
1: Um, you live in, in Florida, right? So do you have any opportunity to go to the box game, the home game in uh, Tampa?
0: I'm actually a lot further. It's about seven hours to Tampa, so I'm I'm only five hours from Atlanta.
1: Oh, okay. So it's a
0: little closer for me. I'm in the panhandle.
1: Okay, okay. All right. Okay. Well, well, good luck, man. You know, I'm I'm hoping I can get to a game, probably the one up here my way in uh, Charlotte later this season. But, um, you know, if I happen to – be in the area or whatever, you know, maybe we can coordinate in 2018 or something like that. To try to get down to a game and, and meet up to errands. That would be
0: great, man. If if you can make it to Atlanta, I'll put a ticket in your hand.
1: All right. Appreciate that, man. So let the people know if they want to interact with you on, uh, on the social medias, uh, where they can find you on Twitter and, and elsewhere in the world where they can talk Falcons football with you and other stuff.
0: Um. So my Twitter is at, Aaron C. Will, A-A-R-O-N C. Will. Um, I don't really interact with a lot of people on Twitter. I mostly reply to things because I just don't have enough followers to be throwing out tweets on my own. So, But, I mean, I, I really enjoy uh, interacting with you and guys like the Falcoholic on game days. So it's really really enhanced my game experience. It's really made football more fun.
1: Well, Aaron, my, my recommendation, if you want to get that follow-up, get some hot takes out there. And um, that'll, you know, think, uh, be like, know, I'm trying to think of one that you know, Vic Beasley will will put on 30 pounds while he's uh, out injury and, and all the talk of him being undersized to go away and and I'm sure that will get you a couple more followers and um, stuff like that. I don't, I don't know, you know, that's what that's been my sort of uh, pathway to success, if you can call, you know, 4,500 followers success.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to brand myself by just disagreeing with you on game days. And it seems to pick me up a follower here and there.
1: So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's another way of working it as well, so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, look forward to chatting with you um, in the coming days and weeks online and whatnot, and uh, I really did enjoy talking with you on this weekend, and I appreciate you again for being flexible with the scheduling with me and whatnot.
0: Great, not a problem. I mean, I really appreciate everything you do for the Falcons community. It, it makes, like I said, it makes game day and off season everything better so looking forward to listening more
1: all right man i appreciate that yes sir thank you all right man have a good one all right guys want to appreciate uh fellow aaron for jumping on the podcast and and chatting with me on this uh fan saturday i guess (laughs) a fatter day I couldn't. Think, I couldn't think of anything. Fatter day, uh, yeah. Well, well, that's that sounds stupid. So, yeah, if it if it sounds stupid, then it's it's right up the alley for this podcast. So, um, thanks for the fatter day. <laughs> Why does that crack me up so much? All right, so guys, that's it. We will be back Monday. So, in the meantime, um, you can let me know what you want to see on this podcast. Uh, by interacting with myself, how do you do so? Well, my friends, you can um, send an email to lockedonfalcons at mail dot com. You can go to the Facebook page, Locked On Falcons, give us a like while you're there. You can also use the Twitters. That's Locked On Falcons on Twitter. Also, my personal Twitter handle is falcons. Just let me know it's podcast for later. Audioboom.com, com. The show is posted daily on both of those sites. You can also leave a comment there. I switched it up. We're also doing the Pro Football Focus giveaway, just keeping you guys on your toes. Pro Football Focus Edge account. It's a $40 value. You get player-grade snap counts, position rankings, fantasy projections, links to all their draft, fantasy, and NFL articles. You get team and player pages and all the stats that go with that. How do you get in on this Pro Football Fed? Pro Football Focus Edge account? Well, my friends, you go to Lockdown Falcons on iTunes. You leave a rating review. Leave your Twitter handle in the review. Make sure it's five stars, please. At the end of each week, they will pick a winner, randomly select amongst the five-star reviews. And uh, you, my friends, will then get a free pro football focus edge account. And you will have all the access to all these great stats and metrics and analysis that pro football focus provides. If you do not win the pro football focus edge account, you can get in on the action by checking out locked on fantasy with the director of fantasy for pro football focus. Jeff Ratcliffe will be on every Thursday talking with my friend Vinny Iyer. You can also check that locked on NFL uh, with Matt Williamson with Mike Renner, uh friend and guest of this podcast will also be providing some of those pro football focused takes every Wednesday as well. So uh that's it guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in this weekend. If you didn't listen to this show, then you can listen to it on Monday. Maybe you'll have two shows to listen to on Monday, and that'll make that car ride or that workout or that lunch break or whatever you whenever you listen to this show uh much more informative and, and interesting than it normally would be um so look forward to that guys appreciate you guys giving me your time
0: you are locked
1: on falcons your daily atlanta falcons podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day what you doing ran out of space on my phone so i'm deleting some stuff by singing dog bye goal